Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number six of Bard's Backlog. I am your host, Josh Gallegos, and joining me this week, the casual, Jared Benson. Hello, everyone. You're everyone's favorite mediocre gamer. (laughs) (laughs) How have you been, man? Things going well? Yeah, things are going well. Uh, I it's fun today. We're doing things a little different. I can see you today. We're yes. video chatting via the Instagram, which is a great way to video chat. Honestly, it's my new favorite. Um, I prefer it to Google Duo and FaceTime and all that stuff. So why is um, that? I don't know why because it's so accessible. Honestly, you can okay. just pop in, send a voice message, send a video message to your friends. It's combined with Snapchat. You know, it's, it doesn't have all the filters and stuff. But like, I don't use those filters anyway, and I hate Snapchat. Um, but the uh, I just like it. It's very accessible. It's very easy to use. Very straightforward. Um, so it rivals the easy the ease of use that even Google Duo has, which is my second favorite. Yeah, you kind of surprised me. I was just working. Uh, I'm doing a little bit of work for my dad today, so I was just kind of plugging away at that. And then all of a sudden, I got this Instagram notification for a live video, and I have never used this before. So I was very surprised, but it works really well, and it it's does. very clear. <laughs> Um, yep. and it's not like hitching or anything. So nope, not at all, not a single time. Yeah, this is weird actually, because this is and nobody I think knows this, but this is our first episode actually even seeing each other while That's doing. That's correct. This thing. We so. tried to do the first time and Zoom just did not want to work for us. So yeah, and uh, it's definitely a different like feel, like when you can actually connect with the human on yeah. the other side. <laughs> It's very different from when you're just listening to them over the phone and then trying to get a cadence and everything. So this is good. Now I don't have to say air quotes. I can do air quotes and you can see me <laughs> doing air quotes. <laughs> the problem is we don't have video for the listeners. That's so true. So we have to be aware of that. <laughs> um, but that is probably going to help, at least in our communication here. So um, this is, of course, Bard's Backlog the ever-growing catalog of video games inducted into the Hall of Games. We, Jared and I, are the gatekeepers and subsequent executioners of any video game candidate, including today's. Um, You guys can submit questions to us via Twitter. I am at VideoGameBard, and Jared is... At Jared T. Ben. Um, And that is for our default segment for the games we'll be covering. Unfortunately, I did not announce the next game that we'll be covering last week. But that actually turned out to be a good thing because we had a bit of an issue with the game we were going to cover, which we're actually going to talk about for our default segment this week. Um, But I am going to do my best to actually say at the end of the podcast what we'll be covering next time. (laughs) I'll try to remind you. (laughs) Thank you, because I definitely totally skipped out on that last time. And we were talking so much about Mario Odyssey, which is the game we covered last time, that I was so into that conversation, it was hard for me to, like, almost disengage from it. Like, even after we finished, we ended up talking about it for another, like, 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, really great game. And, of course, you guys can check out that episode um, recorded last week, episode number five. This one, episode number six, is hopefully our last COVID episode. Yes, fingers crossed. Um, Fingers crossed. I was just talking to Jared and updating him here in Colorado, which is where I'm at. Um, our stay at home or shelter at home or whatever that specific one is has been um, elongated until May 9th, which I deem a bit unfortunate. 
Um, I was hoping that this thing would be over, and it was supposed to be over this week, but I'm going to have to push through a little bit longer with this uh, quarantine life that we're living. And, of course, even when it does open up, it's not going to open up full scale. Correct, yeah. There are phases. And that's how it's working over there, right? Yeah, I mean, they're they're considering um, slowly opening everything back up, but the goal here in Florida where I'm at is definitely to open things back up. That's definitely the goal we want to push. Mm-hmm. Uh, as anyone who follows politics knows, uh, and just a quick disclaimer, on my Twitter, I talk about culture, politics, counseling, anime, video games, all the above. <laughs> <laughs> like, So if you tweet at me a question about video games, I definitely will get to it because I love talking about all kinds of things, but we can also talk politics there as well. But if you know anything about politics, you know Governor DeSantis here in Florida uh, is a close ally of Trump, and red states, Texas, Georgia, have been pushing to open you know, more aggressively. So that's the direction we're headed, at least, which seems to be opposite of Colorado. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, And it is what it is. Like, I don't necessarily condone, like, the the immediate opening up idea. Like, I'm not really for, like, everyone going back to groups, you know, putting on concerts and everything right away, as some people are. Like, I think it's wise to take the steps, especially after having instituted um, such an intense lockdown in the first place. I think it's wise to do it in tears. So, um I'm just looking forward to getting out of this phase. Yes. Um, personally. To get back in the gym. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. To get back in the gym, to get back into even just like I've been telling my wife, I just want to take her to a restaurant. Yes. Like, yes. I that There's just a feeling to it of just sitting down, having someone like help you out and get your food to you and everything. Like I miss it. I miss it so much. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to being able to just take my wife out on a date again, go see a movie again, like these little like creature comforts that I really don't yep. need. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. Um, but that I'm just a spoiled brat and a thriving society, um, that I want to do. And like, I want to use these parts of the world again. Yeah. And so we'll you. see. Thank you. Thank you, Jared, for being with me because <laughs> you're welcome. I mean, some people aren't. Some people are all about the lockdown. And then other people are like totally about like this being a conspiracy. I don't know if you've read anything about this, but a lot of people think that this might have been biological warfare. Like yeah. thrown at us from the depths of China or something, which I don't think yeah. it is. <laughs> I mean, you have the CDC right across the street from a food market, you know? So, I mean, you just, you do wonder about things like that. I'm not advocating for it. You, you hear some crazy things like 5G. People are saying 5G is the cause oh, of this. Oh, yeah. I They've been planning and working with 5G for years now, trying to get this up and running. My uncle works at Verizon. He says they've been testing 5G for a year and a half, seriously for a year and a half at the very you know, or, you know, short at the minimum, you know? And so they've been wanting to do 5g for years. Verizon's been laying fiber optic cable for a while. We would have known if this stuff was causing COVID a year and a half ago, you know what I mean? So right. it, crazy things like that. But I, I also feel for a lot of my friends who have anxiety, uh, and you know, are just very nervous because they know, you know, their grandparents are older or, they know someone immunocompromised, you know, just trying to be careful. So I feel for those people as well. But no, I agree. And, and I definitely like have seen a whole new side of myself mm-hmm. and my own anxiety <laughs> through this whole thing. Sure. Um, but I think it's been healthy. Like it makes me more aware of my own 
personal well-being as well as those around me and how I might be mm-hmm. affecting them. I'm yep. very cautious to cough in public now. Yep. Um, and I get very nervous now around people who are coughing. <laughs> <laughs> um, even though I really probably don't need to be. But uh, like the, that's the other thing. Like I'm really not too worried about myself because of my age and because of the fact that I know I'm healthy. Um, but at the same time, it has put this whole question mark of, but you never know. Like so deeply into like, not just me, but like all of society that I'm really curious to see how we transition out of that now. <laughs> yes. And lots of people are not willing to transition out of it yet. And that includes Colorado, which is fine, which is totally fine. Um, but I really can't wait till we're out of this. But uh, hopefully this is our last one. And after this, we can actually, well, I mean, we're in two different spots, so this isn't going to change for us really, Jared, but, uh, Maybe eventually we can uh, do this in person. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. Plan, yeah, plans plans in the making. Um, I had a random question I wanted to ask Jared before we jumped into the games Let's we play in. Um, with this being an election year, and we're brought, we're talking about politics with COVID and everything like that. Um, there's a lot that happens, um, leading up to what is November. What is it? November eighth that we something like i think it's november 8th yeah <laughs> yeah there's a there's a lot of decisions that need to be made and a lot of thinking that needs to be thought but um this is the most important question i wanted to ask you in regards to this whole situation what video game character do you think would be a good president oh man that's a good question uh the first person my mind goes to is is zelda <laughs> because okay you know, i don't know that that's the first person because you know i'd shut everyone up who says we need a woman and i you know i i don't mind as long as she's you know qualified <laughs> right so like that let's do that let's score political points and have someone who's only for the good <laughs> and is oh, well spoken and and all that stuff <laughs> so let's do it now i i need to be careful here i'm no problem with a female president in fact i really like tulsi gabbard but that you know <laughs> i don't want to do it just because she's a woman um so but that was a hot i you know following politics that was a hot topic this year to talk about well, you were oh, you were i, I saw so many tweets that were like we owe elizabeth warren an apology i'm like who does look <laughs> she ran a campaign <laughs> and lost that's what it is you know yeah same with tulsi so here we are you you were, you were you a were big yang way. gang guy oh yeah love andrew yang um he i have to admit the faults he ran a not great campaign, honestly. Very unorganized, very unprofessional at times. Hmm. Um, but he did attract very authentic people. Uh, they were just being themselves, and people are flawed, as you know. So uh, it is what it is. He's suing the state of New York for not holding the primary now. He's got really? some. Uh, he's got some backbone. I like that about him. That's but cool. We'll see where he goes in the future. But yeah, Zelda yeah. probably is my answer. <laughs> How about you? That's a very tame answer. I would probably go with um, Tom Nook, actually. Tom Nook? what I was thinking. <laughs> I just feel like I he has, a, I he has the it. mind for it, you know? Like, and, you don't and think he's Isabella got that, like, is dead? No, Isabella's no. a little bit too, like, I don't know. She, I love I feel that like answer. she'd get stepped on, you know? Tom Nook has that backbone, and I he is willing answer. to, like insert himself into all sorts of sticky situations and he pulls it off with grace too yeah (laughs) like he makes it seem like such a wonderful thing that you're getting this horrifically large loan yeah um (laughs) he's got that spin you know like 
he would be able to not only like is he like great at developing islands but i feel like he'd just be great at, i don't know developing the country i don't know that's just kind of just the thought process as i was thinking through like who are some like savvy but also like have that intense edge <laughs> that you need characters and Tom that is a fantastic answer i love that (laughs) um but with that in mind let's go ahead and jump into our very first segment for this week jared the games we play in Um, I'll go ahead and start because I have a game that I've been playing that I've been really itching to talk about, and I wanted to bring it up last week, and I actually totally forgot to write it down. Um, it's called Reigns, um, and it's a little game on mobile that you can purchase. It's not one that you can download for free, but I think it's well worth the purchase. It's um, Basically, the whole idea is that you are a king in charge of a kingdom, and the whole game is built on just simple decisions. And it really plays on the idea that I think um, our generation is used to in like a um, Tinder, which is the swipe left, swipe right. Um, Just the simple concept left or right. You make a simple decision and it affects everything else. And I call it the card swiping monarchy. So all it is is a card pops up in front of your phone um, and it's a character that's from your kingdom one of your subjects and it can be like a noble lord it can be the jester pops up there after a while you get like the executioner and um, the church the church is a big factor and uh, even like odd characters like later you get like a witch you get like a weird prophet dude um, but all these people are coming into your court essentially is how I'm, how I'm viewing it and they present to you a problem and they'll say like and, and sometimes it's it's like a legitimate problem uh, that needs to be dealt with immediately like um, help like they're they're um, what are they called? like barbarians raiding the villages and you have to decide whether to send the army or to close the castle gates and you just like and it tells you imme- like which direction um, uh like which direction to do and what that is going to do. Like it'll give you the answer, but um, you have to basically make the decision and that affects your kingdom. And the kingdom is built on four different um, like meters. There, there are meters that you fill. And one of them is actually the church. One of them is the people. One of them is the army. And then the other one is your treasury, like the money that you have in the kingdom and every decision you make will affect all four of these in different capacities. Um, and so it, it really makes a really interesting playthrough um, where you're just swiping left, swiping right, making the decisions, reading what the people are saying. And a lot of different like storylines kind of pop up throughout with these little characters and they give you really weird and bizarre things to do. Like one time um, some random Lord like had gone out on a hunt and he comes over and he and he pops up on my screen and he he says, "Hey, we went out and we found these mushrooms. We have a blue mushroom and a brown mushroom. What would you what would you like to do?" And then you can either take the blue mushroom or you can take the brown mushroom. And if you take the brown one, nothing happens. But if you take the blue one, 
you go on the wildest like trip and you start to like have dogs talking to you and like all these like really weird <laughs> things happen in the game and it was like this most random like bizarre thing in the middle of this game that i thought was just like a fun little nice touch um and really like the whole game is just full of you making decisions like this and and the way that it works when it gets down brass tacks to it is you're basically just trying to stay on top of your kingdom as long as you possibly can um by like year so and the other way that it works is it goes by years so every decision you make a year passes in your kingdom and that affects your kingdom in a certain way but um lots of there's lots of narrative routes to take as you go along lots of weird subjects to meet and you're basically just trying to stay on top of the kingdom up until you get killed so as your meters get changed the different meters will affect you in different ways and you can get killed in all sorts of horrific ways like um actually one of the um ways that you get you can get trapped in a dungeon and um you end up getting killed by a skeleton (laughs) (laughs) so it's play till you Um, die kind of like how long you last yeah so you just try and last for however many years you can and then you get that's like one playthrough um and that it's sectioned off as like that was Richard the King's reign. Oh, okay. And his reign is in the past. And then you take on the next, um, then son of the next king, and then um, can play through that guy and make new decisions and see how you can um, progress further and further. The furthest I've made it is like thirty-five years. Um, the shortest I died in two years one time because I fell deeply in love with this um, girl who assassinated me. <laughs> oh, nice. Um. And so there's a lot of just like cool little paths and interesting things to do and take. So and speaking a really of, fun mobile game, a really fun mobile game. Well, I I like it. That sounds. I feel like I saw that advertised on the Google, but I had was playing other games at the time. But speaking of assassinations, why don't you just go ahead and say the second one? What what else are you playing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, getting a quick little drink here. the The second game I've been playing, I'm excited about has this one. been. Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, so unlike Reigns, it's not a very simple, just like swipe, swipe left, swipe right, swipe left, swipe right game. This is a AAA game, and this is kind of the game I decided to play after playing Control, which is what I was talking about last week. And Control, really good. Um, I actually finished up. Has a really great ending. Uh, highly recommend that game to everybody. But I picked up Assassin's Creed Origins because I was wanting kind of just a big open world game, and this is probably. And this has been the thing that stuck out to me. Uh, have you ever played an Assassin's Creed game? No, Jared? I've never. I have not been privileged with that uh, that that option. That's totally fine. I just, I they have a very specific feel to yes. them, um, and and they've been around for long enough that um, if you had played one, you'd probably have an immediate sense of what this game is. Uh, so, if any of the listeners that are um, and the audience have played an Assassin's Creed game. This is just another one, um, Assassin's Creed Origins. It's the Egyptian one. And I would say this is probably the prettiest game I've played um, in quite a while, honestly. Uh, just the way that this... And this is the thing that really like draws me to Assassin's Creed games. It's the worlds that they create. The big conceit about Assassin's Creed is the fact that you are um, playing through points of history... And you're playing through geographic locations that have some sort of significance. So, in the very first one, you play through, um, I think you're like in the Crusades and you're in Italy during that time. The second one is definitely in Italy again. 
Um, and then over the course of the different games, they've gone through different locations. But the way that they just like take these historical moments, they put in a lot of historical characters, um, and then they build out this world in a really... Uh, they always build them out in really interesting and fun ways. Um, like in England, um, it's, it's called Assassin's Creed Syndicate is the specific game. Um, you're set. It's set in England in like the London bustling... like. Uh, industrial age and it's a really cool just like world to just poke around in and explore and you meet characters like you meet Karl Marx you meet Charles Dickens um, but in Origins which takes place in Egypt you see and are able to interact with a ton of just really awesome locations and it's really been what stuck out to me more than anything obviously you there's a lot of characters from that time period that you play with um, that you play alongside, and that includes like, um, oh, what's her name, the female pharaoh, um, uh, Cleopatra. Cleopatra, yes, yeah. thank you, Jared. Um, that's the character um, I just met actually, and it's it's so it's around that time period. I don't know if you know much about that historical time period, Jared, but um, that's actually when Egypt was being overtaken by the Greeks. So the game not only has like these really awesome Egyptian locations, like the Nile, like the pyramids, but it also has like new, like this vibrant clash of like two civilizations and two different, like totally different feeling um, like aesthetics as far as like architecture is concerned, as far as like the characters in them, like half of the population is wearing robes and the other half have your classic like um, Egyptian garb. Yeah. And you can go to places like Alexandria where they have a giant library, but then you're also like deep in the middle of like some oasis next to the Nile where there are crocodiles coming out and hippopotamuses coming out of the Nile, like attacking you, stuff like that. So it's a really just gorgeous, beautiful game. And it's the location that sticks out to me. And I love me some Assassin's Creed. So it's been great to just jump back into. And you're a history buff uh, I too. Would say, I, I would say that, isn't that a huge appeal of the games? Absolutely, absolutely. The the way that they just um, are, and, and they're really, like, well-researched games. Yeah. Like, you, you, you get a lot of, like, actual historical moments that happen, um, and a lot of the different locations and the way that the design is built into it, like, all of that is pulled straight from history. So it's all very authentic, and that makes it, like just an awesome thing to just jump into and explore. Now this game has a rejiggered control scheme um, and the combat is very different from the other Assassin's Creed games. Back when it was released, it was um, it it was a reboot was the word I was looking for. It was a reboot of the franchise. They had taken, I think, one or two years off whereas before they had been releasing a game every single year and so they all kind of started to feel the same like sure a new location but um just kind of like the same format over and over and over this one was a reboot assassin's creed origins specifically and so they took some time really reworked a lot of the systems in the game and it doesn't always click well i would say mm. The more I've gotten into it, I've been able to kind of adjust to the way it feels, but it definitely feels a bit different from the other games, and that is actually to its detriment, I would say, at first. But the world more than makes up for it, and it's a giant map. Like, this game puts Skyrim to shame mm. as far as the map I like to hear concerned. that, yeah. 
it is huge and full of things to do and it actually um is a bit overwhelming i think when i looked up um how long the game was going to be able or it was going to take me it takes i think probably like 35 hours for the main story but if you wanted to be able to just explore and do your own thing it could take up to 120 hours oh man <laughs> that's what which I'm is about. yeah which is insane um but all of that to say like they really did something unique with this game um, and it really does still have that Assassin's Creed appeal. Like, I can't help but enjoy myself, like, jumping onto a person and stabbing them with his um, switchblade <laughs> that comes out of his hand. Like, there's that, like, classic, like, this What made the game famous. Assassin's yeah. Creed. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that made the game famous, and that really just, um, you can't duplicate anywhere else. And um, it's just a joy every time that you jump off of a high tower and fall straight into a pile of hay, <laughs> which is like another Assassin's Creed thing. Um, it's a great game and one that I have been thoroughly enjoying and will continue to enjoy playing as I go on. Um, and I will be probably still playing it by the next time we get into this, uh, do this podcast because it is just huge. It is ginormous. But um, I've been really thoroughly enjoying that. And that's been my nice AAA fix as we've been uh, playing these other games. There you go. So, um, Jared, we both have been playing a little game named Animal Crossing New Horizons. What? But I want you to tell me about your experience. Oh, my goodness, How's Josh. Where do I start? No, I'm excited that this is a good, um, this is a teaser for when we do eventually cover this on the podcast, because we will. It's a fantastic game. We're both playing it. We're both enjoying it. The Me as an original OG Animal Crossing player from way back when they first released it for the GameCube back in, what, 2004, 6, something like that? I long, think so, Long yeah. time ago. Uh, feels like it's only like 15, 14 years ago, um, something like that. They, you know, that original game was so unique. It was Nintendo's version of Sims, but a lot more limited. And they mm-hmm. had, you know, so much to do. But this game takes it above and beyond. The level of customization available in this game is just fantastic. And it's appealing to the group of people that reject Minecraft for being too difficult, too overwhelming, and not aesthetic enough. Minecraft is a very unique look, but it's not quite aesthetic. You know, it's very, it's almost, you know, it's like engineers design it, which they did. But um, but the Animal Crossing New Horizons craze is people's desire to design and control limited spheres almost unlimitedly. You're constrained to an island, and but also the online version was not available in the original version of the game, uh, and has only gotten better in games past until it's culminated now into the fact that, like, Josh texted me yesterday and said, hey, dude, um, Karina has uh, this certain product for a certain price. And it's real. So I jumped on it and, you know... Those turnips, man. Those turnips, dude. Linked up real good. It's a great, great game. I can't wait to cover it, and uh, it's just a wonderful game. Yeah, well, uh, the goal for me, I'm thinking right now, for when we cover it, is that we... Um, see those credits roll. I really feel like that is like the moment for the game that I would feel comfortable actually covering it. And that takes time. Um, the game is built into like real time. Yeah. You so do have to take your time. Yep. It's a 24 hour period. You can only do so many specific things in a day to progress the game. Unless, are you time skipping? I'm not time skipping. I, I think, okay. um, 
I, I could Good. have, but I was like, no, I don't. I don't want to do that. And Josh is exactly right. It would be unfair of us to cover this game prematurely. It deserves all the attention we could get it. From what I'm telling, like, I'm just, you know, we've just dipped our toes in the water, but it's been fantastic so far. Yeah, I'm glad you're not time skipping because I feel like that is a way to cheapen the Animal Crossing experience because a lot of it is that it is like this other little world that you can, like you said, like so control and design and make your own and really just like a second life that you're living in where everything is a lot happier and you can make money just catching bugs and <laughs> um, fishing and yeah. and there's no like problems of life there. It's all just like a, a beautiful little paradise. You guys should go so. watch PewDiePie do his video <laughs> where it's entitled like Marge's cheating on me in Animal Crossing. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> you need to go see it. It'll open your eyes to the, the expanse of the game. Uh, and I, I, again, can't wait for Josh and I to give the lowdown on it. I'd like to watch that actually. I haven't watched a PewDiePie episode or video in a, quite a while. I just saw someone propose Animal Crossing to their girlfriend. They proposed, so that's very interesting. Yeah, they just like set up a whole little like section of their island to like, and then they like led the person over there and then proposed. Like it has like these cool little moments like that because it's like this. <laughs> I don't know. If you'll I don't know. That. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it seems a little. I thought it was cool. See, like, I mean, that's if you both are passionate about something, hey, go right. for it. What, what? You know, what am I supposed to? You know, some women are passionate about flowers. Not. Some women are passionate about pixelated flowers. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's just like you're able to kind of like manifest these little moments like that on your own, like create them doing yes. your own thing. Like I also saw people like do. Um, a giant they made their entire island into an obstacle course yep and then they had like four people over and we're just um having them run through it and try and get through and then there was a prize at the end you know so yeah great game we'll definitely be covering that um once we get through it but um that will take time and that's what it's all about it's all about putting in that time jared you've also been playing another game here oh, that boy. i know is near and dear infamous to your heart near and dear infamous near and dear i introduced my family to Catan, the board game settlers of Catan. um uh when we when josh first introduced it to me back in 2018 summer we spent together uh that was it's a loaded game it causes all kinds of fights even more than monopoly does and i love it and i found it on the switch it was like half off or something like that so i downloaded it and i've enjoyed it it's a great time killer the mechanics are not as smooth especially when you're trading with other people but it is certainly fun if you love the board game Catan, you will love this it comes with all of the uh you know harbor master and or for wool and different scenarios you can play campaign uh great uh, compatibility with the switch uh really really enjoyed it but yeah fun little game what's what's like the uh would you say the central appeal of Catan? you know i think because like unlike monopoly you're not tied to chance you're not moving linear linearly and you're also able to scheme in multiple different ways so what what happens with uh, a game such as like Pandemic, which is recently popular as a board game Pandemic. Joe Rogan even mentioned it. I got it for my family for Christmas. Is that you have one goal. You fight the disease. Monopoly. Don't land on a space where you pay money, right? Like a lot of these games are linear. And, and Catan is the closest mm-hmm. to that a structured board game will get to um, 
Dungeons and Dragons, but have structure to it. So even life is linear, you know, like in the way that that board game functions. Um, so there's others that are that are well done. Risk, you're you're you know something else that you have to think about. You have to strategize a lot. Catan equals that with a lot simpler format and a lot less time consuming. I think, although it does take a while to set up, but but um, I I think the appeal of Catan is that you have four, five or six major strategies that you can interchange because the game is so dynamic it's it within game it changes so much so it's just a very well well balanced board game uh and i have yet to see someone win with one strategy multiple times in a row i i haven't seen that it's you have to be a quick on your feet so the biggest thing about a board game that you're kind of losing with this video game is the like sit down and play with other people yep feel does it does this specific video game kind of lose anything because of that or do you think it makes up for um the aspect that it's not an actual board game physical board game that you're playing with other people in other ways they do their best so when you so you can kind of like fake that a little bit you can make it pseudo texture i'll say it that way you can create a like a fake texture with a controller vibration with the way that a piece clunks down onto the board visually if you shake the screen a little bit it feels like there's maybe your brain interprets that as movement coming at you uh so it's it's Hmm. it can feel like something but um again it will not it will never substitute for real pieces in your fingers and real dice in your hand but i mean it's just a it's a well-designed game like i said the mechanics are a tiny bit clunky but i i still really enjoy it and pick it up often as a break from our main feature axiom verge and you know from animal crossing and things like that cool another great um suggestion there from the casual jared benson like i said i always like anytime that you bring something up i'm always like itching to get into it katana <laughs> is definitely one of them I, and i have a couple other board games the jackbox games on the Switch oh those are great. are great we should mention um, that uh next next week we should do that okay yeah um so katana might just be right up my alley for a specific um because i you do get that desire every once in a while you do. to kind of just like play a spe- like yep. a specific genre yep. you know and katana might just be right up my alley here soon we'll see so, those have been the games we've been playing, and with that in mind, let's go ahead and jump into the next segment, the default segment. course the default segment is a rotating segment that we like to pose a lot of different um topics into and most of them are going to be video game related this week is a little bit less about video games a little bit more about um and the way that i've phrased this is real world limitations that stop us from doing the things that we love also titled Um, how jared ruined josh's day Right, and we talked about this briefly at the very beginning of the podcast. Um, we had another game picked to be recovering this week, um, and the whole idea was actually presented to me from an audience member of uh, Bard's Backlog. We are coming up on the first week of May, and 
this audience member thought it would be a good idea to basically do something for May the 4th because of Star Wars and everything that um, is culturally tied to that date with Star Wars. I picked a Star Wars game. You know, May the 4th be with you. So um, we were going to jump into Star Wars Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Outcast, which was a, a funky little game on the Nintendo Switch, one of the only Star Wars games available there. Um, and we were going to cover that. But, Jared... I, Go ahead and take over and just explain what exactly happened with so, that. I am so embarrassed, but I'll talk about it. This is what makes me a casual, to be honest. This is one of the largest reasons why I'm just a casual gamer. Uh, when I was in high school, first, you know, the Call of Duty craze was in full swing. Uh, Mountain Dew, Doritos, Call of Duty, your bros, <laughs> the weekend, sleepovers. That was the thing. But but what happened was that I had been playing games. I don't know if this is the cause. I'll just reiterate what happened. I'd been playing games on normal TVs, whatever else. My friends who were getting really into this started to buy plasmas, HDs, uh, HD TVs, LEDs, all that stuff, OLED TVs. Uh, I don't know if OLEDs were out at the time, but but anyway, uh, to be, I'll cut the story short. One day, one of our friends' house, I we sat down to play Call of Duty, and the HD TV made me motion sick. I can play Call hmm. of Duty. Uh, or Skyrim on a computer, I can play it on. I can play a game that's like Axiom Verge, just fine, right? But first-person shooters on HD with all that movement legitimately makes me motion sick within five minutes of sitting down, and I I felt it coming on. I was like, uh oh, Josh is not gonna like this. <laughs> but I text Josh and said, like, dude, I'm sorry, I cannot. This this game makes me motion sick. Star Wars uh, Jedi Knight Two, Jedi Outcast. Josh, I don't know if you went ahead and played it, but. Um, but Josh does a great job of picking the games that we play. Um, he gives me a couple great options. He always chooses a, a list, and he's like, what do you think about this or this? He always chooses great games, uh, and this is one of them, and I just can't do it. It makes me motion sick. And so, you know, that's how my real-world limitation stops me from doing what I love, which is, you know, this podcast with Josh, but that is what it is. Yeah, I was, I, I guess I was made aware of this the first time, um, your little issue when we were playing doom i don't know if you remember this in the in the college dorm room and doom is this incredibly fast paced first person shooter and you're flying around the map killing all these demons and stuff and jared like i just saw him like tense back up just a little bit and like all of a sudden you just looked away and you're like i can't I can't watch this. And I was <laughs> true. I was so confused. I was like, "Why not?" And then you're like, "It's making me motion sick." And yeah. I was like, "Oh," and that's not anything I've ever had to deal with. I kind of feel like I have this immunity in motion sickness. I used to um, read in the car and get car sick like so intensely, like to the point where I'd be puking after. But I would just keep doing it. I loved reading so much growing up <laughs> that I just tortured myself into. Um, like this terrible case of motion sickness until I almost started to get immune to it. Interesting. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of weird. But I've never had to deal with it since then, really. So it was a specific, um, I don't want to say handicap, but like this thing, limitation that you had that surprised me and also like made me think other people are dealing with um, like actual things that are keeping them from enjoying the stuff that even I love that I want them to play. Um, and that's a, 
that's a bummer to be honest dude like that bums me out that you were unable to fully enjoy and experience yeah. games to that level um and i and i don't want to make this like a downer segment or anything but it is something to keep in mind that other people like there are there is such a thing as um a limitation and it is something that i think get gamers need to keep in mind but then also that like just people in general need to keep in mind about the people around them and and if we can do anything to help that uh we should so of course i switched the game <laughs> so that you didn't have to go and, through yeah, that, a I, harrowing experience I, I, I am eternally grateful you know it's it's a humbling thing for sure it's embarrassing i don't mind talking about it but it is embarrassing obviously oh it's weak sauce but think about the other advantages that i do have i love roller coasters i've never had to shoot the roller coasters even spinning ones okay. uh i can read in the car uh, I can be on my phone for long periods of time without getting a headache. You know, that's something people struggle with. Um, I can, you know, watch a movie, watch TV, stuff like that. I, can, I don't deal with it outside of things like that. Um, but, like, in our lives, there's always things that limit us from the things that we love. Imagine being a um, – imagine being a uh, – Josh, can you still hear me? I can okay, still hear our, you, yeah. Our video died, I can't but that's see okay. Um, <laughs> uh, there's things that keep us from doing what we love all the time. Think about wanting to be an NFL player and being short, small, scrawny. Think about wanting to be healthy and being born with a frail body. There's so many other things to be not necessarily distressed about, but to be, you know, feel as if there's an injustice. Motion sickness is just a small one, but it is sad. Uh, and it is humbling when something so small keeps you from doing something that you love, for sure. Yeah, and and we all have different kinds of limitations. Like it's not right. all just physical, right. but I think it's important to keep in mind like the fact that other people are going through these things, and that accessibility in general um, to the things that we love is important. There was a big controversy last year um, surrounding Sekiro: Shadows Die Twice, yep. which was one of the most difficult games um, released last year, and probably one of the most difficult games released in the last ten years. Um, and the whole argument was centered around the idea of accessibility. Some people who purchased the $60 game just weren't able to dive into it and enjoy it the way that others were. And then there's the, I, the fact of people like with actual legitimate handicaps um, trying to play the game who just weren't able to execute on the nuance of the parry system that was built into that game. And and a lot of people were asking essentially just asking for the developers to put in a little bit more accessibility maybe just another mode where there's just a little bit easier of a setting on the enemies or something like that um and it was this really interesting topic of discussion that was going on that just points out that hey we're all a little different and we all have different things that are going to hold us back and we shouldn't allow those things to keep us from doing the things we love but if they do um (laughs) i guess if they do like we as a society and as like individuals should be trying to bridge that gap for the people around us i don't know how i'd be able to do that with you jared but no i mean unfortunately there is no way when i play first person shooters and there's even you know a decent amount of resolution and and you know it's funny because there wasn't much in this game this is a very pixelated game it's kind of clunky it looks like a playstation 2 game is what it will remind you of um and it's still swinging around you know being in that first person position makes me motion sick um and i can mm-hmm. just tell you know with it'll it'll feel like someone is like pouring you know 
fermented liquid in, directly into my stomach. It does not feel good at all. It's awful. It's disgusting. And I, I hate it. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, Josh was gracious enough. But, yeah, life is unfair. <laughs> this is this is how yeah. life is unfair to me. So, Well, um, I'm glad that this happened because it was a simple game. Like, it, I didn't make you buy Doom Eternal, which was another game that got released that was 60 bucks. you know? Right. So um, we're able to avoid it in that way. But that is something... I'm going to try and keep in mind going forward, and just as the audience knows, that is a limitation we may come across. And, you know, there are other games and other... I'm curious um, how you would do in VR. Have you ever tried VR? I have not, and I I really want to try VR because I want to play Beat Saber, you know? I love watching yeah. Beat Saber videos on YouTube. That's one of my favorite things to do at 3 a.m. when I can't sleep. That game sleep. is so much fun. Oh, I can't wait to play it. I'm going to try it. Um John and I, a friend, uh, Josh and I's mutual friend John, and I did a Jurassic Park um, VR at Dave and Buster's and I was fine with that. So I don't know okay. what it is about I, something, it's just something about first person shooters, man. Uh, the pace of them, how quickly they are throwing grenades. I think a lot of it has to do with the running too. You know, the running, mm. it tries to be realistic, right? Um, because I didn't, I don't have motion sickness issues with Skyrim. So it's interesting. Um, it just depends, but I was very disappointed. I'm sorry. We have to let our team member down or our uh, listener down. So I'm very, I apologize. <laughs> you come on and be Josh's co-host since I'm incapable. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't say that. Um, anyway, Star Wars Jedi Knight to Jedi Outcast is a really interesting game. I was picking it because it was different from the other games that we were playing. Yeah. And because of May the 4th coming up, but it's totally fine that we're not able to get to that this week. Um, with that being said, though, let's go ahead and talk about the game that we're going to be talking about this week. The pick of the week. And that is Axiom Verge. Had you heard about Axiom Verge before we got into this, Jared? No, not at all. Real quick, is your um, video turned off or is mine? Uh, my phone got because... to twenty five percent. That's why. Uh, so it turned it off uh, automatically. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. That's fair. Um, okay. Well, Jared and I can't see each other anymore. It's very sad. But <laughs> sorry. Um, it's fine. Axiom Verge is um, a little game that was released March 31st, 2015 on PC and um, is a Metroidvania that at the time stood out from the crowd upon its release thanks to its ability to invoke the same uh, loneliness in space feel that the original Metroid had um, and because of its other obvious inspirations to Nintendo's beloved franchise. So it was um, a little lightning in a bottle at the time when there weren't a whole lot of Metroidvanias out. And this one came out on PC and really instantly got a cult following. Uh, the entire game was developed by one man, Thomas Happ, uh, which I think is a feat that must be That's incredible. Yeah. Um, really cool little detail about this specific game. But this is uh, a really classic Metroidvania. If you have ever played a Metroidvania, 
that's what Axiom Verge is. You're set in a 2D plane. Um, you're going left to right, exploring this little uh, bizarre world and trying to unlock different abilities to move forward in the story. Um, and the abilities, of course, stack or they um, improve you yourself in different ways and unlock different parts of the world that you can go and get into. Um, and that's what Axiom Verge is to its very core. This was your first Metroidvania, is that correct, Absolutely, Jared? and um, a great experience overall. But yeah, it was my first. So you did enjoy it. Oh, I, you enjoyed the experience. Josh, I loved it. I really was. I, You know, I first started playing it, and I thought to myself, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. I don't know. I'll give it a shot. I'll play <laughs> some more. I'll play some more. And then I got yeah. to 10% cleared, and then 50% cleared. And I was like, I just like this game more and more. I, it, I really did enjoy it. And towards the end there, I was cranking in some hours. I put into, I, I think I put nine and a half hours into the game, uh, minimum, last time I checked. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. So what part of it would you say was like difficult to click, but once it did really made the thing more smooth? Like, was there a specific aspect to it that like maybe at first was just having like a difficult time clicking with you? Yeah. So when you think of, when you think of, um, uh, the games that we have been playing, you know, we tried to play Star Wars, but like Star Wars in that vein, you know, we played Nino Cooney, we played, um, uh, uh, Zelda, Breath of the Wild, all of those games allow a almost unlimited sphere in which to attack uh, and back off and defend and different things like that. It's a full 3D experience. With a 2D, with a Metroidvania, you are limited to up 45 degrees and straight across. You know what I mean? Right in front of you, directly mm-hmm. above you, or eight, 45 degrees angle upwards, right? So that means like placement, strategy, the rhythm, how you flow through the game isn't as... It's, it's more mechanical, if I could say it that way. So for me, trying to adjust to, uh, one, the 2D version of things, the frustration of coming up against walls constantly because you're so limited in the game at first, when you first start it, um, struggling with, well, I don't really like this weapon, but all right, let me try to find another weapon. And there's very little plot right at first. It's very vague. So all these kind of things, the tiny little barriers to entry, give it some time and so for me, you know, when you when you open Legend of Zelda, you're thrust into the world. Almost everything is revealed. You know how it's going to end right away. And this game right. isn't like that. I think Thomas Happ, since he's the only guy, you know, who, who developed it really, we can kind of throw his name out there a lot, did a great job with, you know, balancing the vagueness of the plot with what you will reveal. And it took me a while just to get used to it. You know, it's different for me. I've never played a Metroidvania. I've only played 3D games, mm-hmm. right? You know, so it was different. But I, I really did love that he gave me just enough to like, oh, I'll give it some more time. I'll give it some more time. And then I just fell in love with it. Cool. Well, I'm glad that it clicked because it, that was one of the things going into it that I was curious about. Mm. Um, sometimes I'm picking these games just to see how you experience it, Jerry. <laughs> so you because... just messed with me great. <laughs> Love <laughs> Not to it. mess with you, but like just to like see because there is a specific thing like um that you can get out of a first time experience. Yes. That and, and that's something I would say I'm missing with this game. Not only have I played through it before, but um I've played so many Metroidvanias that this one just felt like comfort food mm. to me. Mm. Um and and I love these types of games but i really wanted to get that like feeling and and see how it translated with someone who hadn't ever experienced it before um 
but you bring up the um, the vagueness of it, and I think that's something that um, Thomas Happ does well at the forefront of the game. Is it, it he builds this sense of mystery, and it's all tied into the bizarreness of the story. Jared, what did you think of the story? I really love the story. So I, I confessed to Josh I was upset earlier. <laughs> I was like, Josh, I can't beat the final boss. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> but <laughs> but Josh will attest to the fact that the game is very difficult. Um, at least it is, and, it, and doubly so for someone who's casual like myself, who doesn't actually have a natural affinity for video games. So, uh, and we'll talk about one scheme that makes the game particularly difficult towards the end of it, one of the mechanics. But um, I liked the vagueness of plot because I thought that you can go. I, I thought you know you could go anywhere with this. He's thrown to a. Did he teleport? Did he die? Has he been recreated? And all of that's true at the same time, but you just don't know. Right. And while Thomas allows you to get used to the mechanics of the game and leaves you hanging on plot, you're not there for the plot anyway. This is a Metroidvania. It's about the rhythm. It's about the flow. How you move through the caverns and the tunnels and the, how you deal with enemies. Your strategy for accommodating different levels of space, different types of uh, defense and offense. Uh, it, so he allows you to fall in love with the mechanics and then introduces the major crux of the plot at 50%. I remember thinking, okay, a little bit of a nugget here, a little bit of a bone here at 10%, but it really yeah. takes off plot-wise once you get to 50% of the map cleared. And at that point, you're like completely invested. So I, I like the way he did it. Yeah, I do too. And the the appeal of a sci-fi story is hard to nail, I feel Yes, like. agree um, completely. You can go really cheesy. Yep. You can kind of like hit like situations where it's a little too weird or like too vague even, and that's something this game started out with was a lot of vagueness. But um, I think he does a really good job of um, opening up the story and and establishing rules that you see played out in really cool ways. So the whole crux of it is that you play as this character named Trace. And he's just this regular scientist who um, is working in a lab. There's an explosion. And when he wakes up, he's in this totally different, bizarre, alien world. And that's where a lot of the Metroid... um, A lot of the um, Metroid influence comes in. In the Metroid games, you're a space hunter who gets um, put onto an alien, isolated world where there's nothing but you and the aliens um, that you're fighting. And Trace has a very similar experience, but instead he doesn't know what's going on and neither do you as the player. Um, And so you get this sense of just like mystery of what the heck is happening? Where am I? Why am I here? Um, How do I move forward? And he's just a regular person. So he um, pushes through the best he possibly can, but he really raises some interesting questions as he goes along. And, and then as the world starts to fill in, um, you start to realize there's a lot more at play here than um, initially was revealed. And I think that's uh, a testament, not only to Thomas Happ's ability to not only build a game, but to tell a story. Yes. Um, yep. And he did a really good job doing that. I here. think now, we don't need to, I think additionally, too, the the way that he frames Trace as a scientist who's very intelligent, and you see that later on in the writing when Trace comes out and says what you or I would say in certain situations. Sometimes you lose the connect the connection between your, you, yourself and the character, especially if you're playing a character, when they mm-hmm. do things that are just so obviously scripted for the sake of plot. But w- <laughs> what I think actually I found you know oddly refreshing, I didn't expect to find it in this game, was the fact that Trace would say 
actually what I would say in that situation. He confronts these different characters earlier in the game than you would think. You know, a lot of times writers wait till the very end to tie up all the loose ends in one giant package. And yet, I, I liked the way that he wrote the character, and I found it very relatable, as oddly as that sounds. As odd as that sounds. No, I agree. I agree. Like, he feels like a normal person mm-hmm. caught in a strange situation. Yes. Um, and he does kind of feel like an every main character, but um, it's revealed he's so much more throughout the game. And I don't really want to spoil it all here. Yes. I'll say that it um, that deals with a lot of sci-fi elements. Obviously, he's on a different world. There's... Um, a lot of um, like creatures and things that you come across, and like giant aliens that you end up like partnering with to get through the world. Um, like Ophelia is the main one uh, that you meet at first, and she's just like this. She looks like part of a um, computer. Like, yep. and, and that was the other thing that this game, like, at first, I don't know if I'm on an alien world or if I'm stuck in a computer because there was like an explosion that happened, um, and they're. He does a really good job of like just keeping you on edge on exactly what's going on, um, and there's a lot of like dealing with clones. There's dealing with alternative physics. There's a war that happens over future tech. There's a lot of stuff that happens in this game, and it's t- told in a very um, subtle, um, simple way, but told really well. Um, I, and it's I weird. agree. <laughs> it's definitely. Weird. I like. I, I think it's weird, but he does weird really well. I think um, he does. all of the characters and the animation is gorgeous, to be honest with you. You know, you, you mentioned here one of the odd things about it is that you're pairing up with these giant kind of robotic uh, human-looking, you know, creatures. And you, yeah. one of them is revealed later to be a soldier. One of, his, one of them is revealed later to be, you know, um, uh, I, I don't remember at the time. But you can also, you know see elements of those characters later on you mentioned that you ride a giant head like it's a person's face a platform on top you ride on it and pick a direction and like that weirdness is done well the art style flows great and the music too i think the music actually lends itself to the weirdness of the game to the fact that it's a metroidvania with like i'll say you know air quotes older graphics you know like mm-hmm. it feels older especially when you open it up as very tin panny sound to it but as you go along the main menu i mean the title screen but as you go along right. the music lends itself to the weight of what you're doing and uh, the weight of the story writing and to the cl- you know the classicness of the game despite it being made in 2015 uh, there's a lot going on here, but he does weird really well. Everything flows very cohesively. The music, the characters, the design, the art, all of that stuff uh, is, a, is, a, is a condensed package that's very easy to accept. It feels natural. It's great. He has a very specific design philosophy, yes. and he nails every part of I, it. I completely um, agree. And it, Yeah, sci-fi music to the max, the graphics themselves, even though it is... Um, 16 bit i believe is what he's going for um and it's very chunky in its own way it's still very sleek looking it is and there's yeah and there's a lot of little details that um like even just in the animation like you said that really make the game um a a well-made package I, i can't i can't help but think that like if this game were to have been released back in the 90s um where this like franchise would be now like if it had developed along the same pace as our um, the games industry has developed, we would probably have 
like triple A games with tons of lore built into them for this game, like for this series. Yeah. Um, and it stands next to other classic games that were released back then that are standing the test of time. And I think that's a real big testament, not only to um, the game itself, but to Thomas Hap. Uh, so there's a lot going on here and, and it's a really great game, and it is a pure Metroidvania, like I said. Lots of exploration. What did you think of the exploration? Was it incredibly difficult for you, Jared, at first? No, no. I, so, at, well, at first, yes. So what you what you keep coming across is, so the map is broken down into eight bits. Like, it, it will look like a Galaga enemy when you <laughs> when you mm-hmm. unlock the map. It's broken down into these, <laughs> these cubes that are, like, kind of, like, not square mile, but, like, the idea is, like, an acre of, of land that you, you'll see, you know, it's very, you know, square, square footage. And so you end up with these cubes of exploration, and you try to fill out the map, and, and a map that's been completely filled out has a dark borderline on it uh, so that you know, like, okay, I've gone as far as I can there. Um, and then you have to kind of not remember per se, but as you go through the game, the, the enemies get more difficult, but that makes what you've cleared behind you easier to get through once you go back to it. So to be honest, by right. the time I turned around and started exploring, cause I was like, I'm not going to be able to keep beating these bosses. If I don't level up a bit, I need to go find some in the game power nodes to increase my health, to increase mm-hmm. my weapon damage. By the time I had to turn around and go explore, it felt like, a very uh, enjoyable speed run to me because I had slowly, you know, not even knowingly, but Thomas had allows you to t- kind of temper and build your repertoire of of um, weapons and health and how you deal with certain enemies. So by the time you turn around and have to go explore some, you know, areas previously unknown like I did, it felt very fluid and it was, it, you know, it was enjoyable, very enjoyable at that point because you have more control and mastery of the game than you did before. So I really enjoyed the fact that the map was so spread out and so laid out and takes some time to explore. It's not, you know, easily accessible. You have to go through certain portals to get to certain areas. You can't just fast travel. You know what I mean? Some of that, we take that right. for granted. And I, I really enjoyed that. Very boots on the ground. Yeah, how, yeah. how about yourself? No, I would say the same thing. Like, the way that he nails the pacing, and that's a big thing for me mm-hmm. with um, with Metroidvanias. Yep. The pacing of the exploration is what I, I like to say. Is, yeah, it's a good way um, of putting it. Yeah, there's, there's a sense of discovery that can be built into these games and a sense of um, improvement that I think is key. Yes. And he does a great job of just introducing new elements to you, like the glitching element um, where you can glitch through walls or like new weapons, which I didn't necessarily like fall in love with every new weapon I got, but it was a new way of attacking the game and approaching the different enemies that um, was always interesting and unique. And he does a really good job of just putting these elements in at the right time as you kind of are getting to the point where you're like, okay, like... Um, I'm kind of running around in circles or like I'm, I'm trying to figure out where to go next and you kind of pinpoint, okay, here's on the map um, a spot where I haven't been yet and you go there. It's like almost always felt like it was the perfect time to yes. receive something new yes. and you would get that. Like he does a really good job of putting that um, into the game in very um, specific segments and, and because of that, the game moves it feels yep. like it's moving at a at a decent clip at a steady pace and it keeps you moving forward and then on top of that adding in the intrigue of the story what exactly is going on in the world how um a thetos the char- the um the evil character in the game which um 
has very specific ties to Trace um, is um, how he is affecting what's going on. Like little moments like that where he's giving you tidbits of what's going on um, just worked perfectly in tandem with the gameplay and how the abilities are unlocked and um, the flow of even just fighting your um, your casual enemy and, and what exactly um, you're doing to deal with the new enemy types that you're coming across and how exactly you tackle them. And I them. think, too, um, when, you, th- when you find new weapons and then you have to turn around and kind of go back and explore some of the areas that you have, the weapons that he gives you later on make exploration in reverse direction easier, and then again it feels right. more like mastery. It feels more like a speed run of a, of a, a place that you've been before that you feel comfortable taking charge of. And I think... You know, I'll have to tell you about the glitching because that bothered the snot out of me. <laughs> it really, it really <laughs> did. Because you you get three levels of glitching, right? You're allowed to like phase through things, uh, and which fits in with how the character is written and what his abilities are. And then, it, it, right. but it levels up, so you're allowed to slowly step through walls the first time. Then you're allowed to phase through one layer in a certain direction, and then you phase even further and you do damage along the way. And so what what you find is that as you level up, you start to use that, especially the third level where you start doing damage, you have to use that to take out enemies. It actually becomes a crucial part of how you do it. And I could not, for the life of me, <laughs> figure out how to weaponize <laughs> that well. I kid you not, Josh, I was getting so frustrated. I was like, oh, he wants me to use the glitching to, like hurt my enemies while I know this is how he designed this baddie so I have to do it this way but it's so hard to master that like flicking the controller as you move around oh oh right because you double flick in a one yes. direction and actually yeah. <laughs> that even kind of would throw me off a lot I would say because um, sometimes I do it on accident yes um, <laughs> I was so frustrated yeah no so I totally agree with you there that was actually a very interesting trope that he built into it and of course the whole game like I said kind of feels like you're in a computer yeah like some of the um, characters that you come across seem like they're like computerized beings yes or um, like are built into a and like the world itself almost feels like you're in a network and um, he of course gives you these glitching abilities and there's even a gun that you get or not a gun but like a, a ray that you get that can transform the world yep. and make it glitch yep. out um, and it all just ties really well even into the graphics but um, he it's a very interesting trope but I would I would agree it can get very frustrating and kind of in the way uh, parts most of the time. You know, what but. you mentioned the weapons earlier, you don't fall in love with every weapon, but I, I found that I didn't fall in love with every weapon every time, but I've used all of those weapons in different scenarios. And it was interesting mm. to me that um, I didn't fall in love with it immediately, but if I couldn't pass an area, I was like, what am I doing wrong? So I went through, I was like, all right, let me let me try this weapon. Let me try this, which adds a layer to the game. He's like, let me throw right. all of my creative power behind designing this gameplay, these mechanics, this world map, and he comes up with the weirdest aliens to fight. He comes up with the weirdest guns that don't even seem like it'd be a good idea for a gun. Like, I don't even... And, and it's it's incredibly enjoyable on that aspect, but the glitching specifically... Ooh, bothered the heck out of me (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad that it did because it definitely bothered me too no i think it's 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 a great note to give that he like gives you these tools and then lets you use them in unique and interesting ways throughout the world and always like in ways that push you to, to to view the world in 
in a way that maybe you hadn't before. And maybe when you first get stuck going in one direction, you can kind of tell, okay, the map isn't completely filled out though. Yes. I can keep going. What am I doing wrong or what tool am I not using that I could use to move forward? Um, and that's a really great aspect of the game as well. In addition to the, he gives you he gives you weapons, and then he also gives you power ups, and then he also gives you ways to increase your mobility by like, exponentially. When you're able to, uh, you find a certain thing that allows you to teleport to a location that you can travel to. Like once you find that uh, tool, that changes the whole game once again. And yeah. so I think the way he slowly introduces his best tricks as the creator of the game is actually genius. And I imagine Thomas Happ thinking through all of these things must be like the most nerdy engineer minded guy you've ever met to have designed <laughs> a game like this. Uh, and I think you, you wrote something down here like for being made by one guy. I'll let you say that later, but I completely agree with that statement. Yeah, no, I, 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 all I said was for being made by one person who handled everything and he did everything. He did the graphics. He did the story he did the music, like he he wrote the whole thing. He composed the whole thing. Uh, it's an impressive Absolutely. game. Absolutely, it's a very impressive game coming from one person. And I, for one, am looking forward to um, the second game, which is supposed to come out this year. Ooh. I don't know if you knew oh, that. Oh, definitely have but, to pick that up. Yeah, um, Axiom Verge Two was announced last year, and it's supposed to be coming out. Who knows with COVID? Like everything's kind of been changed, right, yeah. and schedules are all off. So who knows? But um, this is. A uh, very specific feel. Um, do you think it could be off-putting? Um, like just even just the vibe of the game. Like, do you feel like it, or do you feel like he does a good enough job nailing all the different aspects that it it really is cohesive? No, I think it really is cohesive, especially if you just take a second to like step back and look at the entire package, and also incorporate like, all right, what's he doing for music? What's he doing for animation? What's he doing for graphics? What's he doing for characters? They all make sense. They, it is one giant cohesive package, and I think partially uh, that probably lends itself to the fact that Thomas did do everything himself. Uh, it, it is one cohesive package. Sure. It's a dream. It feels like he's been thinking about this for a while, and that he's been put some serious thought and some serious love into it. Um, I don't think anything about it is off-putting other than perhaps the mechanics themselves, the fact that you are limited a little bit in you know, the direction you can go and, you know, how you can shoot and how, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing is a little bit more rhythm based, a little bit more strategy based. And you do have to be a better gamer than average. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just different. So no, I agree. Yeah. So, and for me, that was a struggle. I did. I text Josh a couple of times. I was like, this is annoyingly hard, (laughs) but you power (laughs) through it. You level up and you get better at it. And um, I don't think anything about it is off-putting unless you just don't like that game. And if you don't like classic games, you probably won't like this one, although it's better than classic games. Mm. But it does have a classic feel to it in its, in its limitations. So something to note. But no, I don't think anything about it is off-putting. I'd actually recommend this to anyone who likes you know, to get good at something, like, that likes to master it. Okay. It doesn't necessarily always like to play for leisure. Well, I'm... Um- Honestly, it excites me that the game clicked with you and that you were able to kind of get into a rhythm and it got better as it went along. Um, I think that's a good sign for the game. What do you think? Do you think this game should be entered into our Hall of Games? You know, I think my opinion carries less than yours because you've played other Metroidvanias, but I'd say yeah. I mean, this is a great all-around game. It's a very cohesive package, great artistry, great mechanics, great characters and plot. I absolutely think yes, you know, totally. I actually, going into this conversation, 
was thinking no. Um, partially because of the fact that I have played other Metroidvanias. Yeah, yeah, right. But um, I will say this game stands up, and it, I think it will stand the test of time as well. I can't say that for every Metroidvania I've played. And um, this one actually captures, like the like I said, the original like Metroid feel. Like what that game was going for, a sense of isolation, a sense of exploration, a sense of... Um, like upgrades and like building your character and like the idea of discovery and like this really interesting world that you're exploring and learning more about different unique. Yep. This game captures that feeling in a way that I don't think very many Metroidvanias actually do. Hmm. Um, So I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes to this game and allow it into our hall of games. I like it. Cool. And you're saying yes as well. Oh, right? yeah, absolutely. Yep. Hands down. Cool. Kachunk? <laughs> With that in mind. High end sound another effects game. right there. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I need to get a soundboard yeah. or something. Um, you know, I feel like I'm picking good games. Like, I totally I've agree. Yeah. Too many good <laughs> because we haven't. The only game I think that hasn't made it into our Hall of Games thus far is Luigi's uh, Mansion. Luigi's right? Mansion. Yep. Um, so and we, I'm gonna have to pick a bad one. And actually, I was I was hoping Star Wars was not gonna make it. <laughs> Were you? So we can have less yeah. in there. <laughs> We've put almost every human. <laughs> no, we do have to mention just, why this reinforces why we put Fortnite. Just if we could tag that on, this reinforces. I don't know if you guys saw Travis Scott rapper. I, I don't even really listen to his music, but if you put on a Travis Scott station on Pandora, Spotify, you're going to get a consistent vibe for as long as that music is playing. His music is very cohesive. Mm -hmm. And I honestly thought as I listened to his music a little bit, I was like, this guy, it makes sense that they chose him. So I stepped a little too far forward. Fortnite had a live concert. They had a giant, you know, 92 meter Travis Scott dancing around the Fortnite map. You know, full holographic Travis Scott taking place transferring all of these you know all of the players into different realms of the map and different things it was a technical wonder to behold it was loads of fun and Fortnite that just re-emphasizes why we put it in the hall of games not necessarily off its merits as a battle royale because there are better ones but as a game changer as a culture changer and as a like way like a culture infuser in a way that other games just i don't think have ever Imagine. No one's on their and level. No one is on their level. Yeah, yep. the level of imagination, and then the the ability to execute mm-hmm. on that um, on such a grand scale is mighty impressive. Blending sure. the video game world and the real world, especially with someone as mainstream as Travis Scott, is just it's a level of gaming that is unprecedented. We have never had games be this cool ever before. And I saw a lot of people who were just like, oh, "This is weird. Why would you want to go to like?" A virtual concert like this like it doesn't make any sense but to me i was like no no you don't like, understand this yeah. was this was a feat yep. that was um pulled off and you can't deny them that cannot agree for more. sure yep so with that in mind axiom verge another inclusion into the hall of games good good stuff great game um and it's cheap i think it's only like 15 bucks and it's on everything now so you can buy it on the playstation 4 you could buy it on the switch um initially it was only on steam but um it got enough of a cult following that it was able to um expand onto other platforms which is great so 
largely accessible and really well worth the purchase if you're interested in our conversation that we had or if you're interested in metroidvanias in general it's definitely up there um on that tier so uh axiom verge for sure and i did not forget but um i have an announcement for next time and that is the next game we'll be covering so um again thanks for listening to the podcast this is pretty much it for us this week but um be looking forward to next time we are going to be covering okami hd for this next episode so um if you guys are interested you can look up what that game is but we'll be covering that if you've ever played it before let us know um and again write us in questions on twitter for okami hd which we'll be covering next time but that's all we have for you this week so thanks for listening and we will catch you all on the flip side